Uh, welcome, young people. I'm surprised to see you've all made it here in one piece. <laughs> I'm bored. It's hot. I'm sticky. Where's the bathroom? Oh, we don't have bathrooms here, but you won't be needing them. Not among the other treasures in my menagerie. What's a treasure? Why uh, are we here? You, you lot are a lot younger than last time. I'm going to have to read you up on all the, on all the cogent materials. Wait right here. Is he a cogent? What does that mean? What's this gold thing? Stick it in your mouth. Oh, you don't want to touch that, children. Uh, you remind me of my youngest. What? What's that? Huh. Oh no! It's commander of the armed forces, sergeant leader. Uh, it's time to put you in your place, Jermaine. Ah, uh, you you won't catch me. I've got too much. I've, I I'm in control of this world. Yeah, you and not this army. Get em, boys. Why, ah. why, what's that? It's Gazonga's Pussy Feathers. The femme fatale role in this absurd noir setting that we've crafted amongst ourselves. Yoink! Yes, darling. And it is time to take you down, downtown. Oh my god, he's using the children as human shields! You monster! Now you gotta relax, see? Don't 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 worry about a thing. I'll I'll take care of all of this. You guys are are too stressed out. Just let me solve this case and then we'll put a bow on it. Put this girl to bed. You could not put me to bed if you tried, darling. And now stay tuned for a special message from our sponsors. Slice steak topped with melted cheese and our new chipotle sauce for an added spicy kick. Subway's delicious new chipotle Southwest steak and cheese. Oh wait, Subway is fresh. I just want to play my saxophone all day. Wait, what is that song anyway? Oh god, I knew it once. It's <laughs> like cuz it's the it's the end of like 90s movies about somebody like athletic, right? Yeah, no, it's Streets of oh, it's Streets Penzance. of something. Streets of Rage? No, that's absolute that's Double Dragon. <laughs> oh, <laughs> excuse me. You know, yeah, that's um no, that, that's that, that's song anyway. Is I, I think that's good enough. Bunch of stuff, right after the, I, I, I want, I'll it's cut the most I'll expressive cut the song you've ever heard, but it just slides off the mind in terms of the title or like who made it. Uh, I think that's good enough to like do. We a can thing fill with. in gaps later. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Well, it's a hard um, show to talk about. You know, it's it's got a lot of juggling balls in one show, and I feel like they don't resolve them. You know, by sure, the end of like, the episode. Even without the juggler showing up, which you know happens every three episodes or so. Yeah, not for. It's like, hey, I'm still here. You know, I I used to be the protagonist, but the show's moved on without me. Because man, this this show takes like a lot of weird twists and turns that you wouldn't expect. No, menagerie is definitely the right word. Yeah, Um, but yeah, I guess we should we should get start talking about it, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tell tell everyone who we are. Uh, yes. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Ben. And my name is Zane. And this is a special unshelled uh, segment of the Carton cast. Um, it, it's actually, you know, the same thing as 
it's the same format as our regular episodes, but uh, you you found it and then you showed it to me sometime last week. I think on Monday. Yeah. And uh, I I watched the entire series. I think you're still oh, wow. a season behind. It, it's because <sighs> it's like it's three series. It's three seasons long and two seasons wide, which is an awesome design consideration. I've, I've I wish more shows would do this. <laughs> I've been quite busy, but I I'm gonna finish it as soon as we're done here. <laughs> Yeah, like so. Which which are you on, like track A or track B for that? Like, which one have you watched the two seasons of, and which one have you watched the three seasons of? Right. No, that's that's the weird thing about the show is that they like co-released like s- separate seasons, and it's okay. So the thing about this show, right, right. right. L- l- let's say what the show is called. Yes. Um, so this is the this is the show called uh, the Menagerie of Saint Germain. Right, and, um, and you you may not have heard that before because it it's kind of been an undercurrent, like it's been underneath regular programming blocks um, since its inception. Like it, it hasn't gotten a lot of press, which I think is a real shame. Right, it's one of those things where they move the time slot around, and so people never really got into a groove get with confused. it. It never made it into the correct slot on TV Guide. This which was, was, you know, yeah. that's when it was. This it was, was before Netflix it. Kids. Yeah, come on. Is this like 93, right? Uh, Yeah, so uh, the Menagerie of St. Germain ran uh, from 1993 to 1996. And like I said, it's it's five seasons, but they're split. uh, We'll get into how that works. It's six seasons. You've only watched five seasons. Oh, oh, right. Um, I I thought there was just the one. So like there's two parallel seasons and then a fifth one connects them. Is there another one after that? No, 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 I see where you're getting confused about there. In, in track B, the second season is a ghost season. It doesn't. It didn't actually get released. It was just talked about oh, okay. in the like in the producers' notes as sort of like a guideline for the final season. I see. But okay, so it that's... didn't actually. So yeah, like you've watched that ghost season. You just haven't watched the season after it. So you think that there's one more, but in fact, you've already gone through five. All right, there's even more than I thought there would be. I know. It's yeah. crazy. Um, but yeah, this. This is such a this is such an interesting, unique show for so many reasons, which we're which we're going to get to in a second. Right. Let me finish up the uh, production history. Yeah, please do. Yeah, I actually have a, a thing to add if if you which you might not have uh, read up on, but go ahead. Right. So it was made by the production company uh, U.S. of Acne, and mm-hmm. so this you know we've seen some other work before in um, Hogtide and um, uh, the Trickle Trackles. You know they do uh, these trackle trickles, I believe. You know, it's it's a Flintstones Jetson situation. I don't yeah, remember yeah, which one. Yeah, very similar. Um, to trick those trackles. No, track those trickles. You know, we, yeah, we, yeah. we've made that joke enough. Of course. Um, the uh, the the main producers of the, on it were um, Kenny Studebaker and Shenny Studebaker. Yeah, the, the husband and wife team. Right, but uh, it's just a husband and wife team of one man and his alternate personality. Yeah. So which really fascinating. Led for some, which lent itself to some really interesting scenes about like the duality of man, which I cannot wait to get into. Duality but. is a strong theme in this show, and I it definitely comes from from the creator's perspective. You know. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get into themes in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen Kenny and Shenny from any any other works of media? Because this is kind of their shining star, and even this did not get that much focus. So. Yeah. I'd be interested if you saw anything. The IMDb lists a couple other things, but nothing I recognized. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they had, like, bit roles on, like, The Proud Family, but nothing, nothing like, you know, 
nothing obvious, nothing that you would like take home to mom. Yeah. And um, similar to not taking it home to mom, this uh, show, this cartoon was not, you know, it wasn't on Nickelodeon. It wasn't on cartoon, any of those normal ones. It was actually on TBS, which, you know, was not the prime venue for it, I think. No, no, it wasn't, especially considering the animation style, which we won't talk about right now. Spoilers for down the episode, but like, <laughs> I think that a lot of people just weren't kind of ready for what this was doing at the time. Like they were all about their signs felled and their and uh, everybody Raymond's love. Yeah, well, and TBS is known more for their like situation comedies. So this sort of long, overarching plot heavy sort of show, mm-hmm. you know, it, it wasn't the same thing. Yeah, and character development. My God, right? Like, forget about it. So an interesting thing about production, which I didn't—I don't know if you caught—was it is uh, the the original premise was actually based on a interaction that um, George Bush Senior had in a subway one time. No, I didn't read this before he before he was like an established politician. You uh-huh. know, back when he was in school, he uh, he had this situation when he was in a subway and he was talking to the cashier. Um, oh, that kind of subway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, not a. Uh, yeah, no, no, like, uh, you know, footlongs, $5 footlong, although that was, you know, that was a fortune back then, but, <laughs> but, uh... Well, feet were a lot bigger back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who they base their models on now, but it must be some sort of, like, like, wax simulacra of, 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 of a much larger beast. A menagerie. Um, yeah, exactly. I didn't actually look up the word menagerie, so I don't actually know if the, the, how well this show actually showcases that. You know, but I've only ever heard it in context, so I'm going to look it up right now. Sure. And, and you know, like... I, I I, okay, I totally just spelled mega, and then it just auto-completed to Mega Man. Yeah, <laughs> mine came up with meningitis, so, you know, whatever. Menagerie and, workshop? What is that? I know the glass menagerie. Uh, by, a, um... Uh, Tennessee Williams. By? Who? Tennessee Williams. Williams, that's right. Thank you. I, uh, I was thinking the guy who did Death of a Salesman. A they have similar tones. Menagerie, a strange or diverse collection of people or things. You know, I'm really not sure whether or not the menagerie is of the people or the things in this, but yeah, <laughs> this is pretty fitting. Yeah. Um, sorry, you were saying about the subway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, like, I don't even know if I should say it. Like, it'll become obvious what the interaction was as we go through the rest of the plot. Um, but yeah, it's just like uh, uh, Shenny Studebaker overheard him at the subway and just uh, it started started kind of snowballing this idea to all of his uh, contemporaries at the time. And one of them came up with a script and said, let's make this happen. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it very quickly went broke beyond its humble roots from that interaction at the cash register. Right. But I thought that was, uh, you know, that was pretty interesting. Right, and like and I, it doesn't show up in any of his biographies for some reason. And and like I said, the um, you know, the show was split for those first few seasons on each side. Um, yeah, and so one run, track A, ran on TBS, and track B, you know, related to the subway, ran only on those subway large screens. Yeah, that was an interesting like cross promotional thing. Yeah, well, you know, they have those you know try subway you know commercials yeah. injected everywhere. Totally. Like, I don't think Jared was actually an actor on this, but you can still feel his presence. Like, I think there's... Oh, there's... Ben. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 
Oh boy. Is that did that sound unwholesome? <laughs> it really did. <laughs> cuz cuz I'm talking about former Jared. R- read a newspaper, Ben. Ooh, yeah, no, I'm not <laughs> Wait, I-, I was thinking about it the opposite way, like when he was still fat and before he like lost weight, you could feel his presence like the like like <laughs> what does that mean? Like just cuz you know, just cuz like all uh, you know, like uh the the sweaty heat waves. Well, I don't think off. you know, cuz you go and you breathe in the air at a subway and it's just like the bread has taken gas form that's right which it's like maybe one of my favorite catchphrases from the show <laughs> <laughs> um and, and it's one that the 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 deuteragonist says literally all the time the bread has taken gaseous form <laughs> the bread has taken gaseous form yeah well there's, there's like a lot of baked goods in here like i don't know if one of the one of the writers had like a bad job at a bakery when he was growing up but there you can feel some tension there as he talks as like as his works talk about it you know there there are a lot of threads both in the show that like that tie into you know the creator's life and work so totally let, let, let's talk about the show itself i think yeah but why don't uh why don't you give us the main plot okay so the Menagerie of St. Germain. What's really cool is that St. Germain does not appear in this work, or is even referenced. We're right. left to wonder. There, There is a character named Germain, but it's he's not saintly. He is, no. So, you and know, also, he's not the main character, which is kind of neat. <laughs> well, he kickstarts the events of the series. I mean, depending on who you believe. Well, so, here's how I read it. Okay. Um, Germain you know, invites, it's sort of like a Willy Wonka situation. He invites some children onto his uh, tropical island. Right. That is also a theme park. Right. And, so, you know, it's like a Jurassic World sort of thing. Yeah, exactly like Jurassic World. Or, or like one of those Goosebump novels. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it's a, he calls it the menagerie because it's got this diverse assortment of, of creatures and, and monsters and things like that. Oh, like an old Dr. Giroux sort of thing? Yeah. And so we, we watch Moreau. as... What am I thinking of? So in one of the tracks, we watch the kids and their adventures on the island because Jermaine is never seen again. He, they're, they're surviving. They're interacting with the wildlife. They're forming the society. And then the B track is these adults, this sort of noir sort of story about them finding the kids. But there's, you know, they're, they're worlds apart. They're in the urban center. And so you know, finding leads to this very unrelated aspect is, is a lot harder. And so that's why they don't meet up for a couple seasons. Yeah, it's like Lost and the Others. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're, you're sort of burying the lead, though, is that all of this, like all of the adult stuff happening on Side B is all allegorical because the the show that was on Side B, which was solely shown in Subway and like Subway advertisements, right. was almost done entirely... Um, through this sort of interpretive dance style, like visual audio medium, without actual like, it's very, it's very like artistic and and sort of bereft of inherent meaning. They go very metaphorical and allegorical with it, and you have to piece it together from from the disparate sounds and emotions that come through. Yeah, it's it's impressionistic in a sense. Exactly. Yeah, and, and you know more about kind of like the impressionistic like style of art so i'll leave that part kind of to you well, for interpretation you know, the- i i didn't really see it as um as the adults uh with their with their urbanities instilled in them i i more saw it as the adults with this um sort of savage nature that's released upon entering this island well that, I, like, I haven't gotten to the season where they get to the island so i'm oh still, okay i'm still watching them in the city and 
you know, they're it's it's much more about the the oppressive feeling of the city and that sort of cutthroat environment. Yeah. Because you know, they 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 don't leave the city until, you know, that next season that I haven't haven't gotten to, but I read a couple spoilers cuz damn, the show is good. Yeah, it, it's hard not to. Like, I mean, a lot of people are like, "Oh, no, don't post post Game of Thrones spoilers on like Facebook." Or, like, I can avoid that. But if if a show is so amazingly like imaginative and subversive in its construction that I have to go look out like I have to go find spoilers those are the ones the hard ones to avoid right absolutely um yeah and so that's that's the basic plot um, right and like like you said it it's the plot is much slower and ethereal in track B and mm-hmm. in track A it's much more of a you know episode by episode monster of the week thing with little teasers it's, building it's almost... in the background yeah, it's almost like a Scooby-Doo episode if you only had the three characters, you know, like the the classic love triangle and not kind of the, you know, Scooby and Shaggy chaff. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, you, you it, consider them the chaff? Well, I mean, in, in the context of this sort of show where it's so plot-driven and character-driven, you know, and not so much gimmickry. Like, if anybody thinks that this show is gimmickry, fie on you, sir. I, I think that in this show, the chaff is gaseous. Uh, as gaseous as the bread, one might say. Very close. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's that's the main idea. Are, are there like not as spoiler stuff that happens in the culminating seasons that you can that you can share about how the plot changes and intermingles? Then uh, there is maybe I I think that there's one really special episode in Track B in the final season that you haven't checked out yet, which is um. Which is a very large kitten screaming in the voice of an old osteoporotic woman for the length of the entire episode. And the the pacing of the ululating whales is sort of like Morse code. You can decode it if you're patient. That and even if you're not tedious. patient, it, it's not actually as tedious as you might expect. Like, it, it sort of makes a game of the show, which is, an, again, another way that this show kind of breaks beyond the bounds of normal shows. Yeah, it, it just—it's getting you hooked in these in this different way of like, of the uh, in this different way of appreciating the cartoon medium, <laughs> which is very brave. Yeah, like, te- testing the limits of the medium. And while you're in the medium, it's like Beck. Right. It's it's a menagerie of forms, Ben. Exactly. I mean, it's 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 self inclusive. The themes that just like it's recursive. It's in, it's incredible what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. I guess that's the basic plot structure, and and you know some things will come to light as we discuss the characters and stuff. Yeah. But I mean that's the basic idea, and it's we're carried never out. Gonna hit, we're never going to hit everything. There's a lot to this show that many spokes that, that that kind of squeezes in through the background. So I would recommend you know I would absolutely recommend watching this. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. And like uh, and normally I pirate my shows. I actually bought the box set of this. Ooh, it was one hundred and six dollars, and it's worth every penny. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Yeah, does so, it have like deleted deleted scenes and commentary? Uh no, it actually uh it actually is not the full amount of the box set. Interesting. You know, which is kinda like it's it's an interesting statement on like shortchanging the consumers which have grown to trust you, which is kinda like, you know, a lot of resonance with like Wall Street stuff recently. <laughs> so that's really interesting. Um the, the It sounds the, like you just got, you know, taken advantage of. I don't know if I'd call it interesting. I don't know, man. Like the box was like it. Like the box wasn't open. I don't expect foul play or anything. 
No, like man, they have art. all the seasons. You know, it, it'd be it'd be silly to think that they only recorded five of them and not the six. <laughs> okay, so I totally heard you say they have all the feasants. Like it's not malfeasance, <laughs> it's beneficence. <laughs> <laughs> beneficence. If only there was a word for that. It's it's my favorite kind of feasance. <laughs> Luckily, they do have the Phantom uh, season, which is maybe not my favorite season, but it's the one that sticks out in my mind when I go back over the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so <sighs> let's uh, let's talk about the characters. Yeah, so we so we have the main character, um, Ardvark Dupont, mm-hmm. and he is he. So like the main three characters in this, they do have this love triangle. He is kind of. He's the front runner. He's the one that the love triangle kind of revolves around, but he doesn't take active participation in it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the apple of someone's eye who is the apple of the third person's eye. Yeah. And Ardvark has always wanted to be a tap dancer. Like, that is that is kind of his reason for for existence. Yeah, so... By the way, these characters are all, all around, like, their early teens. Right, so... They're, you know, they're coming of age, they're hitting puberty, they're learning about the meaning of friendship, and they have to, you know, they have to work together to survive in the in the island. And the tap dancing plays an interesting part because, like, a lot of the animals have been trained by, you know, I guess the Jermaine guy, though he doesn't show up again. Yeah. have been trained to communicate in that tap dance, and that's, maybe that's what the Morse code is relating to. I, th- I think you might be right. I think there's something there. Because there were definitely, like, some sort of coded messages. I didn't go out and, like, decode them. But I was like, oh, that's that's something. That's got to right. be something. Like, like the Pillars of Eternity that happened, like, halfway through the second season on the A side. Like, there's definitely, like, a recursion to the way the pillars are arranged. And you mm-hmm. can see holes and very, very obvious patterns. Like, there's something here. A lot of facets, de- definitely. Ah, good one. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and then the... Uh, primary the the deuteragonist as you said is um is interesting because because aardvark has this very oh i'm gonna i'm gonna embrace this sort of wild nature aspect and the deuteragonist um leslie uh mcshine she is still firmly at least on the inside part of of the city part of the organized life so you get this sort of um nature versus uh civilization dichotomy as well Right, and she she's the one who has that famous uh, has that catchphrase, mm-hmm. uh, which the, is the, uh, the bread is is becoming gaseous. Yeah, the bread is becoming gaseous, um, and it's because of her part time job at a bakery, which she constantly references. Yeah, so uh, if something uh, traumatizing happens on the island, which in her perspective it does, that's her like mantra. Right, exactly. Like, like uh, you know, when it rains, it pours. It's yeah. the same thing. You know, because you like think about it, like pat, fresh baked bread. That's got a very distinct smell that's, you know, reminds you of home. It does, but you don't want the bread to become gaseous, which I assume she's not much of a baker yet. <laughs> not, not if she thinks that's a thing that can happen. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what, what I really like about Aardvark and Leslie's like, dynamic is that Aardvark is prone to this very structured kind of activity. He really likes this tap dancing thing. It's why he, like, you need technique and form and practice a lot. And he, he spends most of his nights practicing. Like, he doesn't sleep very much. Yeah. Um, and and that, that later gets into some questions about his sanity from the third character, but that, that's not important right now. Right. So um, the, the third character, uh, Trickle Track, they were, it's a little shout out to their old work. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and he's actually just an anthropomorphic goat. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's interesting because, like, you know, 
it, it's about defying expectations because he is the character that you would think would be able to interact with animals, but no, it's the tap dance thing. So he's, you know, he's sort of frustrated at Aardvark. There's for, an envy there. There, there is. Like, no, this should be what I'm doing. Like, I should enjoy this nature, but I don't. It, this, yeah, and, and this this show is all about like this, like like we were saying, it's it's all about the. Uh, and it's the duality of man, right? It's mm-hmm. this nature versus nurture aspect, and um, and I'll get back get back that into the theming. But I think it's important to say how like these characters view each other, because yeah. it's it's very Helga and Arnold at times. Uh, between the between the main two, between the main two, and uh, basically between Ardvark Ar- 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 and like everybody else, and the other and both of the other two. I. I considered Aardvark to be kind of the id, like the ultimate, oh, okay, yeah, I I'm, I'm that. here, I'm all into, you know, this new situation, and every other character, even on the B-side, has reservations about where they are and what they're doing, and he is right. just fully committed. Yeah, he, he, also the characters on the reservation, which is, you know, it's a side part of this island, but they do factor in heavily near the end of the first season on the B-side, mm-hmm. them as well, and... Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting because Leslie kind of has this love-hate relationship with Aardvark in the same way that Helga had a love-hate relationship with Arnold. She's yeah. like, I love this I love this person for doing what I can't, but for that reason I also hate him because yeah. she doesn't want to be an apprentice baker. She's born into it, whereas Aardvark really takes a shine to his, his tap dancing and... Uh, not a not a mix shine, mind you. Yeah, she, she's, a, she's a super ego sort of... Um, and so... The the way that uh, these three characters sort of journey in the world for a lot of track A is they'll they'll see a situation. The general pace of an episode is they'll find an animal or a, or a geographical part of the island and mm-hmm. they'll start exploring or interacting with the animal. Uh, a problem will arise, and you know they're they'll have to rely on each other to kind of survive and adapt. Yeah. Yeah, but you never, like, even though they triumph episode to episode, you never forget that they're in the lion's den, so to speak. There's that constant tension between them and nature, and also between, like, they're just different personalities. And it sounds very, you know, oh, we have to work together, guys, to beat the bad guys. Except it, like, nature's such an overwhelming bad guy, like, uncaring force. And I don't know, I feel like they just write, write them very well. Yeah, it's not even that it's portrayed as the bad guy. It's, like, everything about this island is, like, structured to be bad guy for two or three of the of, of the protagonists as, you know, d- depending on the episode. But, like, the whole thing where it's also a theme park, you know, it's got Aardvark really nervous. He's never really cared for it. Um, but the other characters are kind of trying to escape the, 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 the nature side of this... Uh, of this tropical island. Yeah, so let's talk about the so. th- the, the theme park aspect because this is a, a point mm-hmm. of tension because very early on they're like, oh my gosh, we're you know we're saved. There's a theme park. There's people. This is yeah. A it it bespeaks it bespeaks a past to this island that makes them feel like they're not alone. Right, and kind of like the others, but you know, with the others, there's also that kind of like, are we at risk? Mm-hmm. from other intelligence because with the tap dancing you got the animals locked down for the most part as long as you schedule your shifts correctly mm-hmm. that sort of thing right. but 
who, who's to say if you're safe from whoever built this theme park? Right. And so it, we find out a little bit of spoilers in the second season of Track A. The theme park is a ruse. It's a government base uh, run by this sergeant leader character. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And this is where they carry out some of their testing uh, in regards to the animals. Yeah, and from what I could piece together, uh, the government was not kind of on board with Sergeant Leader's kind of like animal testing, and right. so he's like, and, he, and he, so he like was trying to butter him up. He's like, oh, okay, no, no one will ever find out. It'll be on this tropical island, and they're like, mm, it's still too obvious. Disguise it as a theme park, <laughs> <laughs> which which seems like overkill to me. But you know, it, that's that's a uh, that's sort of the the critique of you know governmental oversight in this show. It is like runs a thin undercurrent, right? Like that's whenever the government's Sergeant idea. Leader shows up, you get a lot of blaming the government. I love the idea that a theme park is the government's idea of like, <laughs> oh, <but> nature, <laughs> like. This isn't our civilization. What's what's the polar opposite? <laughs> we have to put we have to put roller coasters on it. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise it's not civilized. <laughs> the flume ride is acting up again. That's a waterfall. <laughs> no, but like, and you know, like it it has to be that ridiculous in order to really paint that parallel, as you would say. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> like, <laughs> it has to be that ridiculous in order to like see it through the sergeant leader's eyes. Um, right. Which is really good, and and we we see this develop as he gets more and more frustrated because he goes off the rails. He he does and, in many um, in many senses, and this is you know we see the first signs of communication between these two tracks when he he calls up this um, femme fatale type character, mm-hmm. and she's in the city. So that's the only point of connection, and it's not until late in the second seasons. Yeah, and it's not explicitly shown either. Like you have to, it leaves it in the gutter. Pieces in you together. You have to, you have to understand that that these two things are related through him, even though it doesn't actually. Like you don't ever see the other end of that phone call. Right. And that's really that's really cool. Um, yeah, I I don't know who which one I like, but I don't know which which track I like better. Like this is an immortal discussion on some of the forums that I've looked at. Um, <laughs> That, that some people really appreciate track B better. I think track A has more to it on its face, but only for a casual fan of the show. See, this is where I cop out and say that the two halves make a greater whole. Oh, come on. <laughs> In this cliff grab scenario? That is, that is such a Leslie argument to make. <laughs> The bread is becoming gaseous. I mean, you're, the bread you're is not becoming in, gaseous. You're, you're not entirely wrong, though, because, uh, I mean, like, you do only understand some stuff of the second of of track B once you've gotten through the game show segment in track A. <laughs> right. So so tell tell us about this game show segment because oh, this, yeah. <laughs> this caught me off guard. <laughs> this is this is really weird. So like at the beginning of the third season in track A, they entirely like uh, I think they I've watched the, a couple episodes. <laughs> there was a couple episodes at the beginning where I think like the producers got like cold feet and were like, are we actually going to pull this off? Are we going to like make it to the grand finale? And they were like, okay, let's pull back a little bit. They're no longer on the island <laughs> at all. <laughs> it's just the anthropomorphic goat and uh, sergeant leader <laughs> as contestants on a game show. They were doing so well. And then just this left turn really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it was really nuts. I, don't, I can't I can't fathom why they did it. 
but it's also so integral to the rest of the plot that I'm so glad they did. I think... So I think this might have been a way to, like, catch people up. Because, like you said, it wasn't as well watched. Um, And so the way that the game show works is it's questions, you know, kind of about what's been going on previously. And so we get these sort of flashback clip shows. It clues you in. And they had that one episode where, like, you could write in your answers to the bonus question at the end of the episode. Oh, yeah. And they would read them. Yeah. And they would read them. And they would, like, make fun of the kids and make fun of their names who, like, wrote in. (laughs) It seemed a little bit spiteful, but, like, I, I think, uh... I don't know. I love hearing voice actors read, like, random crap I, I wrote. Like, Oh, yeah. They so give them, like, funny voices and stuff. Like, like I, I love hearing, like, Bugs Bunny reading Shakespeare. Yeah, Something absolutely. about it just tickles me. Yeah, it's... And, and like, or, like, uh, writing into a podcast and having them... By the way, if you want to write into the Cartoncast, go to www.cartoncast.com. <laughs> And, uh, Let go us, ahead and uh, we'll, we'll put up a quiz. Are you an aardvark, a Leslie, or a trickle track? Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, uh, yeah, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll read all your comments in a very funny voice. We won't give you any credit at all to your thought processes. We'll make fun of you on its face. But you'll appreciate that you had some contribution to the show. And, uh, you know, it's it, it really, at the same time as indulging in that audience participation, it also sort of makes fun of it in that same way. Yeah. Um, so do you want to spoil how season three track A ends? Because, like, I haven't gotten to it, but, like, I've read a little bit, but, like... Yeah. No, is, no, no. You, no is, you, it worth, you, is it worth explaining it? I think you've, re- I think you've watched all of uh, track A. I think, I think it's just the third season in track B that... No, 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 no. I, I take it back. Okay, so they switched track B and track A for the final season. That as, makes as, so like, much more sense now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In this kind of way like that way it doesn't to... make any sense at all, but continue. <laughs> in case you only watched the show and have never been in a Subway sandwich shop, maybe you only knew about the one track. Mm. So, like, this was kind of their way to, like, there. this was their insurance policy to make sure that you watched both, or at least were aware of both. So, yes, you did watch only two seasons of track A, but the third season of track A was actually the third season of track B. So, mm-hmm. um, the the I guess... To, to lead into the spoiler, and I don't know how much you've read on this online, so I don't want to, like, give away the, the ghost here. Why don't, why don't um, you take away, you know, every third proper noun, and I'll... <laughs> <laughs> no, don't, you don't have to do that. No, no, no. I, I mean, this, this show is so complex and, and confusing to begin with that I don't want to even attempt that. <laughs> uh, do you want to give, like, your perspective or give, like, the Wikipedia summary of it? Um, I'll, give you my, I'll give you my perspective. Okay, I'll call up Wikipedia. <laughs> okay, cool. So they, uh, yeah, go ahead and type that in real quick. Um, don't forget, it's the third season of track B, not track A. Right, in quotation marks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, double quotes, actually. I think it's, like, necessary, because otherwise you just get track A again. Right. Um, so they, the, the, the show finally, they, they, they've gone back to the island. They, they wash their hands of this whole game, game show thing. No one even mentions it again. And, um, you know, they finally give up the ghost, when they have like this this raffle, uh, the 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 the, uh, the theme park has this sort of raffle where they're giving out ghosts. Hmm. Yeah, and it's uh, it, it's sort of like this. It's it's this weird culmination of all of the beloved characters saying goodbye to their loved ones who have died in the course of the show. So, you know, you have Germain, not Saint Germain, but just Germain. And he's saying goodbye to his long-lost love. Um, 
sergeant leader is saying goodbye to real the real america which i think is really cool <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> I can't believe they haven't done anything for the like the current election cycle with that. This would even, be like such a good way to bring it back in. Yeah, even in the '90s, like, well, remember by the time this show ended '96, you know, making fun of George Bush Senior kind of wasn't as cool anymore. <laughs> You're right. It kind of it was getting kind of kind of gross. Yeah, it's um, like kicking kick him while he's down. Come on. <laughs> and then. Um, uh, yeah, and then um, there was that cat, the, that cat Morse code episode. Yeah, right, right. There was that cat Morse code episode where um, the uh, the femme fatale role uh, said goodbye to the concept of modesty, right, and, so, and just flaunted flaunted her naked self around for the rest of that season. All right. So from the Wikipedia summary, just because you know, there's there's some depth there. Yeah, um, like this is a big o ass summary. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So it reads, the menagerie is shown to be a grand experiment. The game show is the true face of the island. Um, the Yeah, what do you think they meant by that? True face of the island? That, that comes up. Right, like the true face. Like that, that two-word phrase is used again and again throughout There's the There's even that one tribesman who like calls himself true face. True face, yeah. Uh, and well, he's, he's just getting it wrong, obviously. But like, it's it's an it's an undercurrent through the, the entire like. There's it keeps on showing up. It's like Bad Wolf in Doctor Who. Yeah, true face. Um, the uh, the participants are mm-hmm. uh, g- shown ghosts of their friends and loved ones who reveal that it was all an experiment to get them to understand the importance of nature and living their dreams in their lives. Uh, yeah. Each character has a realization, a breakdown, a rebuilding, and a subsequent breakdown as they are helicoptered <laughs> back to the mainland. <laughs> the double breakdown is really like, is really amazing. The way the music swells and then just yeah, crumbles. and then cuts out, but then it like <laughs> happens again, and the music is it's the same music but like at a higher key and like twice as loud. <laughs> It's amazing. It's like that scene in Team America World Police where he's just vomiting constantly, <laughs> and then he stops, and you're like, okay, it's over. But then it just hits you again. Uh, really, really great <laughs> sense of comedic timing in this subsequent breakdown. Uh, thanks, Wikipedia. Like, I, it's not leaving much out, but you do lose a lot of that love triangle from that. Like, I don't think Wikipedia was willing to say these things, Um but a good, like, episode and a half is just really rough sex between Aardvark and Trickle Track. Mm-hmm. With, with Leslie watching, like, like, like from behind the shadows. Yeah, and you're like, be- oh, is she gonna... with the beast. Is she, yeah, exactly. She, she's embraced her, her inner demons, yeah. um, her inner animal. Well, and, last, last line of the summary, it says, Aardvark stays behind as the sole resident of the unpopulated island. Right, and, and they kind of foreshadow that a little bit. They foreshadow like the idea that he'll be alone again. Right, I, I, I can't wait to see it. I'm telling you, because uh, really looking like, forward to it. The entire time he's wanted to tap dance, he will have no one to ta- tap dance for. And you like thinking while Leslie's watching them, like fuck on the grass. Like, is she going to step in? Is she is she going to take? Is this going to be like a murder suicide thing to like? And is it going to wrap this entire series in a little bow? But then track B comes in. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into track B. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, as we said, there's this femme fatale character. 
Right. And again, this is all allegorical and like through this weird like, like like her character has a name, but like okay, so names in track B are tricky because they don't mm-hmm. they don't there's not a lot of talking and like they have her name once, but most people just refer to her as that femme fatale character. Right. And and you don't actually see the character. You just see a bunch of like shapes and colors, but it's like a familiar enough pattern it's, that it's you're like, a "Oh, okay. shapes." Yeah, you okay, this must be that character. <laughs> yeah. This has got to be what it is. What's cool about her is she communicates only through static. Yeah. And like everybody else talks normally in track B for the most part, like they have weird accents, but she communicates through static, like in different pitches and like frequencies. Yeah, so it's it's a it's a tricky thing to understand. They do include subtitles, but she's not saying much of substance. It's all very vague, veiled threats mm-hmm. toward whoever, really. Um, but the main the characters, thing, when, the people when, in Track B, the animals, her mom—it's like pretty weird. But here's the thing: when she communicates with Sergeant Leader um, over the phone, then you can hear her actual voice. So it's like a double yes. static sort of thing, because because. Sergeant Leader can't contact anyone else. There's, like, no service. Well, yeah, it's 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 the fact of that he's crossing dimensions. It's so, like, there's so many, like, little rivulets and turns. And I, I like, once I'm, I'm done watching it, I feel like I gotta watch it again because there's so much. Yeah, like, especially, like, those first, like, those first couple of episodes in Track B where it's, it's just, uh, it's just, uh, uh, it's just um an Orson Welles lookalike reading of mice and men. Yeah, that it, it took me a little bit to to enjoy track B. It, it took me yeah. a few episodes to acclimate. Right, and I think that's the intent. You know, it's not for a mo- it's not for like a regular TV watching audience. It's a very different thematic uh, tone of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so but but you were saying like Sergeant Leader, this is the only one he can communicate with, is because. When he's calling people from uh, from the island, what he's really doing is calling people from his own purgatory. Right. So he's, he's actually already been dead this whole time. Right. And he's calling everybody else through this phone, which if you are not dead, um, if you're like a living person, which is the only kind of person he could communicate with, then it sounds like static to him. Right. But because uh, the femme fatale role, um, Gazanga's pussy feathers, is like... Her, her finger's on the pulse of this whole of this whole purgatory life thing, and so she kind of has this special ability to communicate to either side. And it's like, so I I assume that you're reading from the same article I did because like, it's so hard to like they don't say this explicitly. Um, I think one of the be- better clues is in the second season when they infiltrate uh, Sergeant Leader's office while he's out on a bathroom break and listen oh, through yeah. the phone and they can't hear anything. He's like, oh my god, he's dead and they're not. What's so great about that episode is every other scene of equal length to those scenes where they're like uncovering this really serious stuff is him like narrating <laughs> his own bathroom adventures. <laughs> and they're not all on the toilet. You'd think they would take the lowbrow route, but no, he's actually like going through his own mind. He's shaving, he's like, you know, he's he's shaving off the hairs and he's like And he bleeds and he's like contemplating his own mortality, which is super resonant cuz he's already dead as you re- later find out. And well before and after he shaves, he's like, "Is this my true face?" And then he's done, he's like, "Is this my true face?" It's like, oh, that's, oh, it's like the leader, like the tribe yeah, leader. Exactly, exactly. Um, anyway, uh, so the other character. I in think track... they actually become best friends in the epilogue. Oh, cool. Yeah. 
but in in track B, uh, we also have this private eye character, and he's actively <sighs> trying to find Jeez. the kids. I forgot about him. Yeah, no, he is like he's not good at his job. <laughs> no, he's really bad. <laughs> He's like, like from Conan. He cares so much. <laughs> I know. And he wants it all to work out. He kind of sees himself as this hero, even though his entire life people have been telling him the opposite. Like this this boundless confidence in a thing that is not borne out. I love it. I love it so much. Where do you think his like motivation comes from? Do you think he's like secretly parent of one of the kids or like like what's I, uh, that about? I think it's uh, it's it's externalized. You know, he he's believed in himself so much that it's like I think it's that floating robot head that is always like talking him up. Huh. And you'd expect that it'd be like kind of like this mental disorder, like only he could see it, and that's why like it's this ridiculous thing that shows up. But no, it's, it's like it's actually existing. And Leslie talks to this robot head very frequently, and kind of works out some of her issues. Right, and uh, I I think. I think there's got to be a deeper connection between the private eye and the island because he always has a bottle of St. Germain's on his desk. Yeah, I didn't quite understand that part. I I, I literally think... I, okay, so are you ready to enter Zane's conspiracy theory chambers? I, I can't wait for what kind of conspiracy you could come up for with this show. Like, I thought they already bared it all out. Okay, okay. So hear me out. Okay. Aardvark is germain no come on that's stupid no no he's the only one who sticks around on the island after everyone else leaves and sergeant leader you know he has that dimensional rift thing without him there to control it uh aardvark goes back in time and becomes germain and kicks off the events that's so stupid like it's been shown it's shown in the second season that the detective does not or no no wait did you say he was the detective or germain uh, uh, Aardvark? He's Jermaine. He's Jermaine, okay. Yeah. I, I think uh, that that doesn't make any sense, though. Because, no, 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 I take it back. It could make sense. I was thinking you were talking about the detective who's been shown to not tap dance on several I occasions. Don't, I don't know how the detective works into that, but I, I do feel pretty sure about Aardvark being Jermaine. Okay. It's it's this nice cyclical loop. You know, they, don't even look, they don't even look the same, though. You Because know? he got older. No, no, I, I know that. But, He's like, got those little structures. He okay. He yeah. He does have gigantic calves, but you can see that as him. Like he's like. I mean, Jermaine kind of has this weird like crouch hunch where like you <laughs> can. It, it, yeah, he's like got this like posture that like has got to be murder on his legs. Like he's constantly. He it's like he's constantly using the calf machine. Right. This is why. <laughs> this is, he's got this unusual posture, and it's the reason that um, the anthropomorphic goat Trickle Track is the only one who can make love with him. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just a geometry issue at that point. Yeah. So, Les, you know, but Leslie takes that harder. Mm. Yeah. So, I guess that I guess the posture is, like, a commonality between Aardvark and, and Jermaine, then. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Because, like, in the one scene that we see him, he's this very, like, hunched, minced, mincing character. Like this, Yeah, he's like an Igor. <laughs> this weird magician. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, like, he's got, like, those two magician beards. Like, one in in the regular place, and then, like, one on his arm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like magicians we, have. Well, like, I mean, just, like, in case we didn't get it. Like, they're very... They, they don't really care about, like, making everything make sense with our world, which it doesn't have to, you know? Like, track B is specifically allegory, but, like, track A is, like, implicitly allegory. Yeah. 
So I like that they're like drawing attention to like, okay, this is the magician role. <laughs> yeah. We get it. <laughs> Covered. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> they don't we... they don't insult your intelligence in this show, but they do like paint you exactly what you're going to need for the rest of it. Yeah. Should we yeah. should we move along into the tone? Yeah, let's let let's let's get let's get cracking on that. Oh, also, I, si- sidebar, and, and you cut this out. I <laughs> this this magician with the extra beard reminded me of something that happened at at, uh, at work. <laughs> okay. Um, I, somebody shaved uh, their beard like that they had been growing for a while. Sure. And I said, "Oh man, next time you should shave off your beard all in one swipe so that I can keep it in my glove box in case I get pulled over again." <laughs> Do you actually want me to cut that out? Because I, I want to keep it in. I do want you to cut it out. Okay. But then my friend was like, there, there were five instances in that sentence where I just had more and more questions. I really want to keep it in. <laughs> so, uh, uh, we, we need to get back to talk about this show, though. Yes. Like, I, I don't I don't know how long, how much longer I can I can hold off on like the big reveal at the end. Okay. So uh, the tone, we talked a lot about the duality, the whole... Um, you know, nature versus um, civilization. We've talked about the id, ego, super ego of the main three. Yeah. It, it's funny because, like, at the end, you realize that Trickle Track is the most human of them all. Oh, yeah. Which is great. There's like, a lot of those delightful inversions where, like, the literal thing is the opposite of the metaphorical thing. Right, exactly. So, like, you know, Aardvark and Leslie both have these uh, both have these kind of jobs that they're either inducted into, in the case of Leslie, or... Um, or, or or is there kind of raison d'etat? Is there is their hobby because they chose it, and that's like a very human thing. Is that is that kind of uh, distance between your ideals and what you're destined to be? Mm-hmm. Um, but by the end of it, it's it's become so fucked up in their heads that they can't keep it straight anymore. It's like, uh, do I just burn it all down? <laughs> is it even worth keeping this these high minded ideas? in my head is it even worth considering that i'm still an apprentice to this bakery is it still worth trying to become a tap dancing champion knowing what i now know these are the people i was so long ago i'm not even the same person anymore yeah and and you see that day by day yeah um whereas trickle track he starts out as an anthropomorphic goat and what's interesting is he actually doesn't actually know human speech at the beginning he's anthropomorphic but he's still just bleeding right like as a goat would bleat. Yeah, he has he has to learn it. Exactly, and he does learn it because Aardvark gives him like lessons while he's tap tap dancing at night because that's the only time that they get to kind of like that's their downtime. Um, and it's it's through those interactions that he that they start like building that relationship. Yeah, and, and he he finally finds someone to care about, and that's sort of his own humanity. Yeah, and and this inside outside reversal. They could have just done it with the main characters, but you see it a lot in the, like, animals that they interact with. So, like, they might interact with a monster creature in one episode. Like Are you talking about Inside Out Cat? <laughs> um, I w- inside Out Cat is also because he's a cat on the inside and he's Inside Out Cat on the outside. Right. <laughs> uh, so that's, you know, but he died. <laughs> Um, no, he yeah, he, he actually started out Inside Out and then realized, shit, this shouldn't work, and then just dies. Yeah, which which is like a little bit heavy handed. I didn't for like this it that show. Much. Um, I I liked in the fifth episode, I think, where um, they find this uh, uh, really tall monster, like tall. I think they call him Tallface. Um, 
and okay. he, and he can see literally very far and he lets them know like oh i see something strange in the distance and that's the first clue about the amusement park right Um, but in terms of his own personal life he's very myopic you know he doesn't think about the future that much so do you think he has a relationship to 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 new face to to true face excuse me true face Um, i'm I'm thinking of something in track b no i think it was just a um you know because later on when they're talking about true face they're like you mean tall face like it's a point where they can get confused and not ask more questions. Oh yeah, yeah, like, and that that's really cool because it serves two purposes. One, it's kind of like a silly joke, uh-huh. <laughs> which, which is so super deserved in the midst of that kind of like gory scene, like that war scene. But it's also like it's all about facades. And in you this don't show. you don't you don't think about it that much because a good chunk of the dialogue is people saying, "Wait, did you say this?" And they're like, "No, no, no I said that." Like, <laughs> oh, okay, my, my mistake. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They're communicating and, through and, tap. Remember. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, and a lot of it, what's really fun is when it's the same character talking to himself doing that. Like yeah. he's not even sure of his own like thoughts, which is <laughs> ben, great. This duality goes deep. It's it's It does. It's not it's a mirror. It's a lot it's of a levels. Cube. Right. But like what I was saying is like this show is all about facades. It's all about how they present themselves in this scenario where they thought like especially with the detective who wants to be so heroic, he would, he he sees himself as this very very heroic thing. And then it's proven over the course of the show not to be true, even though he never gives up that idea. Mm-hmm. So he, he's like, he's very Darkwing Duck in that way. He sees him as something like a lot more heroic than he actually is. Yeah. And it doesn't take that long for the three to, the, the main three to find out, like to realize that, oh, we can't trust this guy. Mm-hmm. Like his heart's in the right place, but he, he just, he, 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 he's not on the, he's not on, on the ball. He doesn't got game. Yeah. Doesn't got game. Doesn't got game. Um, <sighs> yeah. On the on the B side, there's a um, we get a, a lot of um, broken dreams imagery. Explain what you mean by that, because I I think I know what you're talking about, but I interpreted it very differently. Um, just this, you know, and it, they're explicit with it sometimes, as much as anything in track B is. Um, right. That, you know, people in in the city in civilization are not where they want it to be in life um Mm. and it's generally punctuated whenever you know something like that happens it's punctuated by a glass breaking or a gun going off or something like that it it is hard to tell because of the you know the audio is all weird in track b yeah exactly um but i don't know that's how i took it what did you think um i i thought that they were i thought that they were just kind of experimenting with how much how, how much like non-linear storytelling we would put up with because like they start like the, the broken dreams thing like i think you're you're thinking of like the dream sequences which are like uh, slightly more ethereal than the rest of track b but still kind of in the same vein as track b and it very very abruptly ends and goes back to you know whatever track b considers normal right right but I, I don't, I don't know. I think you're, I think you're thinking too much about it. Believe it or not, there's layers, Ben. I know Just there's like layers. There are in a subway foot long. Right, and as new meatball saw so is like foot long on Friday, I believe. Foot, I can't wait. Foot long Friday. Um, they have, they have, uh, they had a, a tie-in product, right? Um, of a, uh, of a. Uh, I think they had trickle track subs, which wasn't goat meat, but it was actually like condiments and. And, and veggies arranged in a goat's face 
in the in the in the manner of a goat's face. Yeah, there. <laughs> it was one of the limited amounts of attempts at like, um, you know, product uh, tie-ins and stuff like that. There wasn't a ton that I could find. I think there might have been like a DOS game, but I didn't. I wasn't able to access it. Oh, you found the DOS game? I've I've read about the DOS game. Okay, yeah, I, I couldn't actually download it. Um, it actually just shuts down your computer if you try to like download it, and then there's like this creepy distorted face that plays across your shutdown monitor. It's really nuts. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know about you, but I'm not intent. into that sort of thing. <laughs> I don't know if that was their intent, but like I, I can't I can't shut down my computer. Like I got other shit running on it, so I didn't go that far. But whoever does, like you have my blessing. Like you're very brave. Yeah, good luck. Because that ma- that shit makes like Five Nights at Freddy's look like fucking Tiny Toon Adventures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's interesting what you say about the broken dreams. I don't think that they really get that. I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's quite as far as you're taking it. But I love that it can be interpreted in these two different ways. One that is just slightly more allegorical than the less allegorical yet still very <laughs> allegorical way that Track B loves to do these things. Yeah. Like it's all a spectrum. Yeah. And you can put yourself anywhere on it, and it'll still work. I feel I, I can't shake the feeling that you're trying to just be pretentious about the show. <laughs> ben, it's a very pretentious show. I know it. Well, it is, but not in the way you're like. I don't know. You you always kind of go off a deep end with this conspiracy stuff, and I'll, I'll let you have it. I just, I didn't take it that way. I took it at, you know, whatever track B considers face value. <laughs> well, True face I value. Since I didn't get a chance to say it before, the Cartoncast. We put the ledger domain in St. Germain. <laughs> I love that. It's not bad. <laughs> uh, I, I, would, I would say the, the catchphrase, though. Oh, yeah. The, <laughs> the Cartoncast. Our bread is becoming gaseous. Very gaseous, yes. Very. It's like a Space Ghost thing. Uh, welcome, to, welcome to Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Is your bread becoming gaseous? I hope so. <laughs> Are you getting enough gaseous bread? Man, first they made sliced bread, and I did nothing. Then they made canned <laughs> bread, and I did nothing. <laughs> now the bread is vapor. And no one is left to come for me. We are all one. <laughs> <laughs> we are all true face. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, I think <laughs> we've talked enough face. about the tones and genre. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's enough. Do you want to head into animation? Yeah. So the, you know, the, the main thing is in, tr- the, the main divergence from standard animation is in track B, which is this, uh, you know, this very impressionistic, almost like a painting, but that would have been very labor intensive. So there are a couple, there are a couple episodes in the phantom season where um, they, they, of course, they, you don't see any of those episodes, but it's written up that a couple of the episodes are just a, like a still life. Okay. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't really get what that meant. I don't know if you have any, any like insight that you want to shed onto that design consideration. Well, I, I didn't see those episodes, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, they, their medium and their message is very intertwined. Right. Um, and so that could it could indicate, you know, running, hitting up a wall, uh, you know, running into a wall in terms of their efforts. Yeah, it, it's it's almost like um, in in the second season where where all the where all the plot and characters are kind of percolating on the issues they faced in season one. Um, we have this dual nature in the Phantom season in, in in part B, where everything has to slow down on the adults in the city side because the because the kids in in uh in track a are so in their own heads like 
Yeah. And, and it sort of reflects like this idea that you have when you're a teenager, do uh, like nothing else that the adults are doing matters, only I matter. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a very self-centered way of, of seeing the world that nonetheless all of us have when all those hormones are going through our bodies. Yeah, absolutely. And so those characters tend to have a bit larger heads. Um, Physically, in fact. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like for this for the second season, like all the heads are like grossly out proportioned. Yeah. Um, this was, and they have a narrative reason for that. Is they've been eating weird plants. <laughs> also, one of them's half goat. Um, well, yeah, but like even bigger. Like his head is even bigger than it normally was. Yeah. Um, there was an interesting thing that I saw in second season. Um, so this was around the time when Nickelodeon started doing like smellovision, and so TBS tried to do it for a couple episodes as well that's right um and so like you can you know if you put on those glasses and the the web the the, the site that i found this stuff on you got the box set but i found it on the on the site yeah um you know it has that a little little blurb because because they must have just recorded it when it was on like tune in like put on your glasses to see smell a vision and you can see the little lines do you think that was a dig at smell a vision i don't know because you, like, clearly wouldn't be able to smell anything with glasses. Like, any, like that's kind of obvious, isn't it? But people still lined up. Well, that's the thing, Ben. Uh, visual iconography, there are ways to show smell in the visual medium. Um, are, like, different colors of fart gas? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. You know, different shapes and colors of fart gas, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> you match up the fart gases with the monsters, and, you know, that's one of the questions on the game show. Oh, that makes sense with, like, the lar- sergeant leader, like, uh, bathroom segment now. <laughs> like, there's so many different colors there. Yeah. If you put the glasses on. Yeah. That, um, so that makes sense. Um, we, should, we should also talk about, like, the way that track A is kind of an odd animation style okay because it's it's constantly shifting but and i don't mean like in style i mean like sometimes like half of the screen will shift like a quarter inch to the right and the bottom half won't i feel like your dvd player is broken (laughs) like i don't no 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 are you serious you didn't you didn't notice this you know i was i was dead center on the screen oh i'm sorry it's the third it's the third season okay okay so this is this is actually track B, which is track A. Because I thought that the, you know, I thought they they weren't consistent with, like, shapes and things and sizes, but, like, I thought it was pretty standard. Like, even even during the zoom-ups? Well, not the zoom-ups, no, but th- that's a, that's an isolated case. I guess so. Well, it keeps happening, though. I guess we should probably explain what the zoom-ups are. Yeah. So, uh, the zoom-ups are, like, every couple of episodes, um, one of the characters will kind of be, like, they'll be talking to other people and something will come to light. So, like, lightning will strike. And they will kind of have this apotheosis, this personal soliloquy segment where the entire rest of the world, like, drips away. Yeah, like, it's a, it's like, a Shaolin Shaolin. Shaolin, sh- sh- it's a sh- Shaolin Shaolin. It's a, a Shaolin Shaolin. And it's a yeah, Shaolin Chase of, Lounge moment. The, the rest of the scene will drip away. And it will just leave them standing in, like, this pillar of light in sort of like a one-man show kind of way. (laughs) In in that way that we love. Yeah, yeah. And they will start talking to themselves um, using a mouth on the back of their head. Mm -hmm. And you can tell it's a mouth on the back of their head because their lips are moving, but not in sync with with what they're actually saying. Yeah, yeah. And it will be zooming into the character the entire time. Right. And this will go on for, like, three or four minutes. (laughs) 
and it zooms in pretty quickly because so once you get to where their face is the whole screen you're like oh they're gonna stop but they just keep going I think that this does a lot for characterization and, and showing us where their minds are because you know you know think of other shows of that vintage characterization is not a huge you know goal mm-hmm. compared to to plot and and in some shows merchandising so like that was a really nice way of of like telling us more about them because a lot of stu- you know production studios hadn't figured out how to you do it more organically yet. Yeah, so this was kind of experimental, but it also worked with the themes of the show. Because if they, when they zoom in that much, you're like seeing the pores and like bacteria that like compose their face. Which mm-hmm. again, you know, it gets into that whole true face, tall face thing. Um, and also, you get to kind of like this is what shows do. This right. is like it, it tries to show you more about a character than is actually there because the character like a two-dimensional character like a sprite does not have bacteria or pores they're just like these shiny surface two-dimensional like weirdos and they don't actually have this kind of depth there are endless discussions about depth in this show and how much is you know meant to be included in the sort of um you know, conspiracy theories and deeper meanings and how much is just like, you know, throwaway detail because they were rushed. Yeah, they they did seem kind of rushed at times. Uh, if you had to choose one episode that you think was more rushed than every other episode, what oh, would it be? Inside Out Cat, hands down. Inside Out Cat, yeah. That, that was... <laughs> I, I feel like they could have done a lot more with Inside Out Cat. He's they like one the, of my favorite bit characters. They see the cat, it dies, they have a funeral, they're sad the rest of the episode. Like I, I know, <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it's, and what's awesome is that everybody from both seasons shows up to the funeral. <laughs> yeah, in the, in the so back. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and they're like, still in that impression, this... it's just like weird shape form. Yeah, and Fartgast kind of floating around <laughs> to the funeral. It's amazing. Yeah, so that was definitely something where they're like, the writers, like... Were wanted to be done in a day, and the animators had extra time. <laughs> yeah, and extra like, like animations that they couldn't throw anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, clearly you're not supposed to take it literally that those characters were actually there. I think it was a no. screw you to the writers. Like, yeah, try and make this work in your. <laughs> no, but they did make it work then, because <laughs> like Inside Out Cat is like, is it's like it's like a legacy character that everyone cares so much about, despite being this bit character. So, like, it, it really does work in that weird way. Like, why do they all care about it this much? Oh, this is why. Because they were trying to stick it to the animator, to, to, the, uh, to the producers. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's, it's really wild. I love Inside Out Cat so much. I can't even tell you, man. It still grosses me out. I think I like Aardvark a little bit more. Yeah, Aardvark's Because the tap character. dancing is, like, this really weird measure. But I, I, I think Inside Out Cat is probably my second favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anything else to say about the animation? No, I think I think we've got that wrapped up about, pretty nicely. And what I about wanna... the intro? <clears throat> right. So the intro of of which of which one? Like of which? Because they um, they go back and forth between them, and I've right. seen it cut up so that it's just one or the other. But I think the true intro is supposed to have both. Okay. Yeah. So you you tell me you tell me the intro to track A, and okay. I'll tell you the intro to and I'll discuss the intro to track B because I think we saw them I, I think I paid more attention to the one from track B uh-huh so I, I'd like to discuss well, you, that one you, you you prefer that sort of like floating jazz 
Um, yeah, yeah, I do. And 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 yours has like a lot of weird like m- machine sounds in it. So <laughs> yeah. I want you to talk about that. Yeah. So in track A, well, the intro is you know you you see the three main characters arrive on the island. It doesn't show how, but you hear these sort of like industrial rock sounds, which is just it clashes so nicely with the with the island. But then you're like. Oh, the amusement park, which, you know, they start showing in the intro. It's entirely uh, mechanical. They start showing it in the intro in the second season and like, oh, the sounds that it made match what the theme park is doing. Like, you know, Mm. you see the Ferris wheel and that's the meter and, you know, that sort of thing. Do you remember that one episode, Ferris Wheeler's Day Off? (laughs) That was such a weird, like, little... (laughs) Where where the cogs came loose and it just flew off and and jumped the ocean and and hit the city. Yeah, and like they, it's 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 so cool. Like to to have an episode focus on one of the inanimate objects. Like how innovative! <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Continue. No, that's fine. It, it was a metaphor about how life keeps going in circles. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you know, they land on the island. We hear this uh, uh, mechanical industrial rock, and then it shows them just wander around for a minute. No Wait, words. You're. No- I'm I'm sorry, I have to interrupt you again. You're not talking about Mecha Rock, are you? Oh, Mecha Rock? Like the like the genre or the character? The character. Right. So they they kind of circle around this mechanical rock. Mm-hmm. Uh and it it's you know, I don't want to spoil which character that is, but let's just say that the rock has a face. And uh Yeah. Well you you're you're saying you're you're Let's let's pull our punches a little bit. Like people need to see it for themselves. <laughs> right, right. It's um, so but they man, circle around that mind for blown. A, when they that circle happens. around that for a minute with just the music, and they don't say anything. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the the mechanical rock says, "Like there is more to see," and the menagerie, Saint yeah, Germain, yeah. and it shows like the whole like all the animals and stuff. Yeah, and there's like someone like a. Uh, Ella Fitzgerald, like, impersonated, sc- scatting quietly through the entire thing. Like, to herself? Yeah. <laughs> like, whispering Just, it? Yeah, and, and, like, it's not be- borne out in the animation at all, but you can tell that she's, like, very shy about it. She's, mm-hmm. like, trying not to do it in everyone's way. Yeah, and I don't know what that's about, but it sounds like it it worked. I, I, I don't either, man. Something else to consider. Uh, so the track B intro. Yeah, so this is interesting, because it's the only case in which the the intro is longer than the actual show. Well, yeah. Um, well, uh, actually, you're like, doing we, something we, this complex, you know. We you should keep... we should mention that the track B episodes are each like two minutes in length, <laughs> and there's 140 of them in a season. Right. So, like, it's it's like this very very experimental kind of show because like you had to show it in Subway, right? So, so like three minute intro, two, two minute, minute show, show Subway and commercial, like, mm-hmm. repeat. Yeah, exactly, and and they would show them pretty much. In, in half hour blocks so you have the same thing like five or six times uh-huh. but um so the the intro is is all about sergeant leader and sort of all these different like i mean it, it kind of cleaves closely to the track b kind of presentation of it where it's just like a bunch of allegory but the allegory isn't shapes and colors it is like a bunch of jazz instruments like kind of honking and beating at him (laughs) so you have like a a, like a drum set that like comes and assaults him from the side and he tries to run away in this formless void kind of like in an inspector gadget intro Mm -hmm. and then he meets the saxophone and he stares at the saxophone 
so longingly and you can tell it's the only thing he has wanted this whole time it's and like then, it's a lot of plot to put in just the intro and then never show it in the show well, and, and, and then it cuts into that right so well he's having and he's ha- and it just plays that track for the rest of the minute and a half of the intro where he has having anal sex with the saxophone super good <laughs> i know like how they think of that i don't know why they felt it was appropriate to show it in a subway i think <laughs> I know, it was like a little bit far but like i mean he has his pants on but that, that's clearly what they're doing the ce- you, know? you know the censorship you know it, it's there's only so much you can do i guess <laughs> yeah like the producers have drawn the line in the sand it's like are you going to play this or not are you going to let those advertising dollars go to waste and they're like no i guess we'll show this i think the positioning was just ambiguous enough to make it seem like maybe he was playing the saxophone through his pants. But there were these, the, the, but the, I mean, like, there was, like, that saxophone, like, the saxophone was moaning, Zane. <laughs> ben, that's what saxophones do. No, like, it was, during, during that, it's like, and, and, like, it, it does that saxophone track, I agree with you, but then it, like, moans like an actual woman. <laughs> like, it sounds as though he's having sex with a woman, mm-hmm. but it's just a saxophone, and... Like just this, there's just like all this heated like sensual grunting, yeah, which is very like, I mean track B is brave in so many ways. It's so strange. I think I like track A better in general, but it would not have been the show that it was without track B kind of bolstering its its message. Light and dark, yeah, it, exactly. Kids meant for adults. Like the duality runs deep. It does. It does. Um, In terms of inside the show itself, um, mm. music is, yeah, you know, it, it's mostly in track B, because um, the island is sort of such a visual blast that you, uh, like, yeah, like, you, you don't need the music. Right. Uh, and, and because there's so little, like, dialogue in track B, like, you need the, you need the music to kind of carry things forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, it's, I to- it's that totally noir agree. Sound. What's that? It's that noir sound. I don't know how to describe it other than that. Yeah, no, it's it's very like ambient, right? It doesn't hit you in the face. It's not like somebody singing at you, but it's more just like, uh, okay, let's let's see where this where this story goes. It's it's leading you along. Yeah, it's that sexy. It's, it's that sexy piano that just you know, the music just picks up your sheets and slides under it. Or that like brassy horns that starts playing if you're like like. We love th- we love this sort of thing. When you like see the detective, he's talking about that dame with the legs straight up to heaven. Damn. Like that that brassy horn that kind of plays while she's like smoking a cigarette and like arching her back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. That's super good. Um, and uh, yeah, and the, the the music in track A is primarily kazoo based. Um, primarily, there's a little bit of clarinet in there if yeah. you if you listen for it, but it is mostly kazoos. Again, showing. To the cheerier tone of just you know having teenagers there it's childlike it's simple it, it buzzes yeah it, it does buzz <laughs> it does buzz uh i i love kazoo covers of actual songs there's like that one youtube guy who oh i love that guy i love that guy who, who just does kazoo music for uh he did kazoo music for like megalovania which yeah is so for great. all the undertale music uh, oh my god it's so good <laughs> Uh, I get called out on listening for that like exclusively at work. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, oh, I, you're listening to that again. I think I saw that. Uh, the I think same I, cover. I, I think I saw that like uh, the 
the music was actually done by They Might Be Giants. Um, oh, in the show? Right, but they're all playing instruments they're bad at because like no one knows how to play kazoo well. They like rotated, except for except for kazoo Jesus. Kazoo Jesus. Like he like he's so much better than everybody else in the kazoo playing world that everybody else could just be considered a, an amateur. I haven't listened to to They Might Be Giants in a while, so I'm not familiar with that new new member. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I mean, like he leads them through. Um, and, and, you know, he, he hasn't shown up at the recent shows. I think they're ashamed at, like, the outburst that he had in the in the third season, which you'll see in a minute. But he actually just starts screaming at the rest of the members about um, about his wife. And they don't cut it out. Like, oh. it's in the show. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, that just and that becomes the music for that for that episode. Did you see the petition um, that Subway is trying to get started to like have they might be giants come to a Subway and put on a, a show where they do the music from this show and call it they might be grinders? <laughs> I haven't. That sounds amazing. Yeah, doesn't it? <laughs> like I can't believe they're wasting time with the Jared shit. Like I, this is like such a much better way of of trying to draw the people into your corner. I know. Like, show that you have something else beyond, like, boring commercial jingles and this idea that if you somehow eat Subway sandwiches, you'll get thin without any extra work. Subway. Close enough. (laughs) (laughs) I believe that's correct. Zane, you're being so ridiculous this episode. Like, this is a very serious show that really needs our time and attention. Yeah. Like, you just need to to lay off a little bit. Then it's a coping mechanism. Okay, fair enough. I have it. Leslie has it. Trickle track. Has shades of it, right? He's he also a, has shades. I don't know if we showed that. I, th- I that. think it went without saying, right? Really, really like deep shades too. Like most sunglasses are just like what a quarter inch thick max. His are like a foot long. <laughs> Again, the, the subway tie-in, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think you know you you mentioned you know super spoiler at the end. I don't think we should say. You know what happens? I haven't even found out about it, but like every site and every forum is very respectful of keeping this spoiler secret. Yeah, which is such a great like community kind of uh, culture to have mm-hmm. about this show. The only thing that they say is don't eat beforehand. Yes. And wash yourself afterwards. Yeah. And that's nice. Cause you'll like, need both of those. If it's going to rock my world as much as I hope so, I do need to prep and I'm going to need some, you know, wind down time. You will. You will need to. And and I'll also say I'll also say this one more thing is don't watch it alone. Uh, yeah. Nobody says to do that. I think they're trying to be respectful of people who like are afraid to show their friends something that experimental. But uh-huh. I think that I think that you're brave enough to like. I think you could like level. I, I think you could handle this emotional content alone. But you shouldn't have to. Like this is this like you're, a you're Sunday. You want to talk about it afterward. Well, uh, during it. Like, I mean, you won't want to talk about it during it, but you'll want to experience it with somebody just so you can have that moment where you both look at each other like, what? <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't wait. Like in a, like a banana split, this is best enjoyed with somebody else. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So Except for that uh, masturbation fantasy episode, which is kind of best done on your own because you really kind of get to get into your own headspace. Um, I haven't gotten to that one. Please tell me that's on track B. It's not. Oh God. <laughs> it's a, uh, well, no. Wait, which one do you mean? Uh, oh, God, that's right. Uh, so You know what? Is, I'll find out. Yeah. It's all about trickle track and him kind of like coming to terms with his own sexuality. Okay. And whew, pretty hot and heavy for an anthropomorphic goat. Cool. Well, I will uh, 
I'll lube up for that. Yep. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Limber up. Get it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that's it. That is uh, the Menagerie of St. Germain. Yeah. I, I don't... I feel like we've barely scratched the surface. There's a lot of depth, but like so much of it... Like it's so much better to see it firsthand that even if we were to describe more, I don't, I don't think we could do it justice. We, we haven't even talked at all about the true villain. Uh-huh. Like the train god... And I don't think we should. I've only seen foreshadowing, but... It, it comes up in a big, bad way. You'll get that emotional reaction. Does it it's tie super... things together really nice? No. And oh. that's what I love about it. It just adds more questions. And there's been some, like, philosophizing and theorizing on the forums. I'll, I'll, link, you the, I'll link you it later. Yeah, that sounds but, good. But uh, it's... Like, if you thought the show had depth before, good God. Like, just wait. Because it gets crazy. Cool. Yeah. Uh, for everybody who's listening, I, I feel like, you know, generally, we try to be funnier. Yeah, we know funny. Sure. Like, TBS. <laughs> like, we try to be funnier, and we try to, like, indulge in, like, um, you know, conspiracy theorizing, which we did a little bit of, but I feel like, more or less, we, we, just, show, we just talked about what was directly told to us by the show, because it's so good at that. Yeah, so there's, there's enough depth that you can get. You might watch it and get something completely different out of it. Yeah, exactly. And, and so for anybody who's like trying to get that Pavlovian, who like you love listening to the Carton Cast, you love Brett, you love eggs, you you, you, you love bread, <laughs> you love bread. <laughs> you think the bread is gaseous, but you love eggs. You drink eggnog all day with your anthropomorphic goat and a detective with a robot head floating around him. And you, you know, you, you come to us to try to explain things better. I can't explain it better than the show does already. And it just needs to be experienced. Yeah. Like, I think this might be my favorite show. Really? Like, my favorite show. Like, <laughs> gives J- Jackie Chan Adventures a run for its money. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, they I'll, even uh... have, like, a weird, like, Hawk Fu kind of character show up at one point. But oh, I, yeah. I won't get into it. I won't get into it. No, I'll, uh, uh, you know, I'm digging it. I'm, it's definitely up there for me right now, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll finish it up and see, see where I'm at. Yeah, please do. And, and like, let me know what you think of the escape sequence. Okay. Cause like, Great. I think, I think making an escape sequence, uh, 72 hours long <laughs> may, may have been like stretching it itself a little bit, but you'll never be bored. Cool. But you do have to watch it in one entire sitting. Oh my god, that's so daring. I know. Nobody else does this. This is what I'm saying. Like, Kenny and Shenny are like geniuses. They are the student makers. It, it, that's exactly what they are. Yeah. Did you write that name down so you wouldn't forget it? No, I just remembered it. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> this show, man. I know it's it's hard not to remember everything about it. Um, anyway, so uh, what are we what are we watching next time, Ben? Uh, next time we are watching Principal Penny and the Purposcacious Protegeacious Porcupine parallel. Ooh, yeah, right. Which I think is going to be really boring compared to this. I I dipped away from Saint Germain to like watch an episode of of the Principal. No goats. <laughs> Very few. Um. But I, I like parts of it. The porcupine has a really melodic voice that just, I hang on every word. It's Great Delisle, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. I no, think this so. Was, this was, um, 
it was like Cartoon Network's heyday, and it got lost. But it is top quality, like like anything else on there. Oh, we didn't say about the the voice acting at all. Uh, no, but uh, you know, I didn't recognize most things in it. Yeah, I, I only I only recognized um, the voice of uh, Leslie was actually um, oh, what's her name? Courtney God. Cox. No, it's like this. You remember um, that weird that weird girl who never speaks from Hey Arnold? That Brainy? No, no, no. It's the girl who never speaks. She just kind of shows up and looks creepy. I don't remember her. She only shows up a couple of times, but it's the same voice as her. Huh. Yeah. You yeah. can really tell. Yeah. Yep. So um, I think that's all we have to say, right? Uh, yeah. So next time it's... Uh... Prince, the the prince, what was it? The porcupine. It, it's colloquially it's, it's, just known as principal and porcupine. It's it's, uh, it's 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 principal Penny and the perpiscacious, protegeous porcupine parallel. Right. Uh, yes. And then after that, we uh, so uh, I was thinking that we could go uh, do something a little more recent. Right. Um, and you always do that. <laughs> What do you mean? Like you, you love doing things that have only happened in like the past decade. I'm telling you, man, you got to go back to the 90s and 80s I, if you're going to find I, shit like this. I vary it up enough, and a lot of the stuff in <sighs> okay. those ages, like I don't know. Um, but I think you'll be okay when I tell you what we'll be watching. Mm-hmm. Do you remember um, the movie Brink or Brinker? I think it was Brink. It was Brink. Yeah, yeah. it was uh, great. Yeah, and how it, you know, the team Puppin Suds. Yes. Well. Did you know that there was an animated spinoff about Pup and Suds the business? No. Oh, Tell yeah. me about it. It's called Puddle Skate. Okay. It's um, you know, it's it's a couple of years after, and uh, Brink has taken over the business and has a daughter <laughs> of his own, and she wants to get into skating, but like he needs her help at the at the Pup and Suds. So it's sort of like the opposite issue of um. Of oh, Brink. I heard I heard about this. This is the one where like they like. It was the Breaking Bad before the Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... Like, he becomes, like, a criminal mastermind in charge of this syndicate. <laughs> Man, that's so cool. Yeah. Like, Puddle I had I had forgotten about it entirely. I'm so happy, man. It's great. And the way that they animate dogs in that show is just so beautiful. Yeah, I, uh, I think it's going to be great. Yeah. I mean, it, it'll suck to leave, you know... It'll suck to leave the menagerie of Saint Germain behind, but I uh, I'm looking forward to the future, much like Aardvark Dupont. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Until next time, the bread is gaseous. Have <laughs> eat fresh. <laughs> <laughs>